Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma Podcast. It's really great to be with you again today. I'm James Prescott, your host, um, and welcome. Um, I'm really excited today to welcome um, Shelley E. Johnson to the podcast. Um, welcome, Shelley. Um, it's great to have you on here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, Shelley is a worship leader and a songwriter from um, the States. And... Um, it's a funny way we connected. Um, I have a book, as many of you know, coming out called Mosaic of Grace. Um, that comes out on February the 13th. Um, and when we were getting the book ready, we realised there was a song with the same name, which Shelley <laughs> wrote about five or six years ago. Um, and it's an amazing song. And so we wanted to just check that we could use the title. And we ended up connecting with Shelley. And um, she said we could use the song in the book. And... To do, and um, I asked her if she wanted to do an interview, and she said yes. So um, <laughs> she's got a, 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 an amazing story, and I think we're going to have a really good time today. So, yeah, Shelley, just um, just tell us, just just tell us your story. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This is an honor to get to share with your listeners and get to meet you face to face from across the pond. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, so I I. Uh, I was, I was, I'm originally from the Atlanta, Georgia area, uh, and then I moved to Nashville to go to college and studied music there, and um, we were there for about nine years, and then in 2011, my husband and I moved back to Atlanta, and we live here with our uh, baby daughter. She's about 18 months old, and uh, she's our first child, and so we're just in a, in a season of life at the moment right now that um, just is a really sweet, really good season, but as I'm sure you and and your listeners know that not every season of life is that way. And kind of where my story started, um, it kind of started early on with kind of a dark, a dark season. I grew up in a really great family, um, had two great parents who really loved Jesus and raised us to know him and follow him and love him. And, Mm. um, kind of life was just, I I mean, I wouldn't say picture perfect, but we had a really happy childhood, really happy family growing up. And then all of that kind of sort of came to a halt when I was 14. Um, Out of nowhere, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and he was 46 years old. And uh, my parents were just about to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. And uh, me and my sisters were all kind of at these pivotal times in life. I was uh, freshman in high school. So I had just kind of started this new season of, you know, of adolescence. And then my middle sister had just gone off to college. And then my oldest sister was just about to get married. And so we were all kind of at these different seasons. And so as you can imagine that, that moment just really came out of nowhere for us. And it just felt like a a bomb was being dropped on our family and just this life that we had Mm. been blessed to have. And, um, when they found the cancer, they thought that they could, you know, with treatments and and whatnot, they thought that they would be able to sort of keep it under control and, and get rid of it. But, uh, unfortunately that was, that was not the case. Um, but it was during that season, my dad battled cancer for about nine months And during those nine months, my life dramatically changed. Um, I had grown up in church and grown up kind of, you know, hearing the stories from the Bible. And I I kind of always knew in my head what, who Jesus was and what he had done for me. And I knew the gospel and, and all of that. 
but it was all just kind of a cultural thing for me because it was all I had ever known. Mm. And uh, during that season when my dad was battling cancer, um, that was really the first time in my life that I just pressed stop on life. And I really started asking difficult questions about God and how could he allow something like this to happen? And how could a loving God allow suffering? And I just, my 14 year old brain just started asking all of these questions, trying to understand, mm. you know, my childhood faith in light of this really difficult situation. And so it just began this journey for me of, of just really getting to know God on a personal level for the first time, Bible for the first time, because I wanted to, not because, you know, somebody was telling me I should, or because I felt like it was the right thing to do, but just because my soul just needed that, that time with him. And so during that season, I, you know, I had grown up, music has always been a huge part of my life. I grew up playing classical piano and, um, was always involved in so many different musical things. Um, but it was during that season that I just started writing songs because my heart was just so overwhelmed with everything that I was going through. And so I would go sit at the piano and, and just play and cry and pray and just all these things that I had been journaling and prayers and all these things that I had been feeling just started to spill out into songs. And so during that, that time, I, I began to have the opportunity to share some of those songs with classmates at the public school that I attended. And um, there was people in my classes that were atheists and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and people from all different walks of life and all different religions. And I was able to share these songs that I was writing just about my faith in God and what he was teaching me. And so it was during that, that time that I really realized how powerful music was as a ministry and how powerful, um, how much God could use music to minister to people. And so during that season that my dad was battling cancer, our family was praying so much for a miracle and just asking God to heal him. And, you know, for me as a 14-year-old, I really, really believed that God was going to answer that prayer. I really believed that it was going to be this amazing story and he was going to have this miraculous healing and all, it was going to be this great story that we were going to be able to tell. And, um, and even though he was healed, um, it wasn't exactly the story that we all wanted. And about nine months after the diagnosis on New Year's Eve, um, my dad, um, went home to be with, with God and passed away in, in our family home that night. And we were all there and, um, it was just a really emotional, overwhelming time. Uh, but that was just that night. I remember that night after my dad passed away, it was about three o'clock in the morning and my mom came and woke us all up and she was just in tears, just, you know, couldn't even talk and just so upset. And, and I remember just walking downstairs to where the piano was, where I had spent all those months just pouring my heart out to the Lord. And I remember just sitting there and I just slammed the lid shut over the keys. Cause I just was so I just felt like my heart had been ripped out because here I had just prayed for nine months for God to do something. And he didn't answer that prayer the way that we all hoped. And it was just so devastating. And I just remember sitting there in that moment, just three 30 in the morning, just staring out the window and just didn't know what to say to the Lord. And it was just this overwhelming, this overwhelming peace just came over me. And, uh, just something that I had never felt before in my entire life. And just this, this peace that just came over me. And I just felt like God said to me in that moment, if you just remain faithful to me, just keep writing songs for me, keep 
keep doing what you're doing. I promise I will use this for my glory. And I promise I will use this to, to point people to me. And uh, this pain will not be worthless and this pain will not be in vain. And, um, and so it's just been really amazing just in the years that followed that experience. That was in uh, December of 1999 when that happened. Um, and just in the years since I've just seen God redeem, um, just redeem so much of those, of those years that it feels like we're lost and just use our family story to minister to other people. And I've been able to share Christ with people and and see people come to know Christ as a result of that story and just what our family went through. And, um, so in about 2008, uh, I was just reflecting on, just that whole experience. Cause as James, I'm sure, you know, you know, when you have an event like that happen in your life, it's, it's not just a one-time event that you grieve and then you just move on and mm. it never resurfaces again. It's the thing. The thing that I've learned about grief is that it just keeps kind of coming back and you just, you feel the hurt all over again at just different points in your life. And I remember last summer when my husband and I had our first baby, I remember when they handed her to me, you know, we're just so overwhelmed with joy at this moment of welcoming our child into the world and just how amazing that moment is. But I just remember the first thought that came into my head when they placed her in my arms was I was thinking about my dad and just wishing that he could be there and wishing that he was there to meet her and to just experience that moment with us. And it's just this sadness just came over me in that moment. And it's just crazy how there's all these moments that it's just so much joy completely mixed with so much sadness all at the same time. And that's, I've had that experience just so many times in the years since, but in 2008, I was just kind of having one of those moments of just really missing my dad and just really wishing I could call him and, and talk to him and ask his advice on some things and just really feeling that void that he wasn't there anymore. And, uh, and so this song idea just, just started coming. Cause I, I just started thinking about just how I felt like my heart was in pieces and, uh, and one of my favorite kinds of, of art is stained glass windows. I love stained glass windows. I've always loved them. I just think they're so beautiful. And uh, I just remember thinking about that, and it just hit me in that moment. If you were to just hold up one piece of that stained glass window, it, it wouldn't make any sense. It would just like look like a broken piece of glass. But when you take all of these pieces and you put them in the hands of this master artist, it makes this beautiful picture and it's because it's broken and it's because of all the lines and the brokenness and the Mm. textures that make it so beautiful. And I just sat there thinking about that and just the songwriter in me just started thinking, man, that's, I need to write a song about that. And so I literally sat at the piano and just the song just kind of happened. And that doesn't always, I've only had less than a handful of songs in my career that that has happened where a song has just literally fallen out of the sky but that was one of those songs and it's just been really neat over the last eight years just in my ministry as I've traveled to churches and done concerts and um, just shared with people around the United States it's just been amazing that that one song has been the song that people have connected with the most that people have been the most moved by that just really speaks to their hearts the most and I think it's just because it comes from a place of brokenness and having walked through just a dark, a dark place and, and a tragedy. So it's been really neat to to just see how God has used that song to, mm. to speak to people and, and to remind them that there's beauty in the brokenness, even though it doesn't ever make sense. It's mm. it's a beautiful thing. 
Wow, it, it's so amazing hearing your story. Like, it's, <coughs> it's, it's, there's so many similarities to my own in that. Um, <laughs> I, like, only four months after your father passed away, my mother passed away. Wow. Um, literally, it was four or five months later. Um, 2000, April 2000, my mum had an asthma attack and and passed away. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I I know exactly what that's like, the whole grief thing, losing a parent, um, and kind of like when you don't think it's going to happen and then Mm -hmm. all the emotions that come with that, you know, and numbing the pain and feeling hopeless and, but feeling like you know there's nothing you can do and you don't know how to respond and um and actually I think when you said that what when you told me about what god what god said to you about this won't be wasted um that struck home as well because I think because um I got a word from god last year um from somebody um who told me that when my mum died that god had said that to me Mm. Almost exactly the same thing. Um, but wow. I, I just hadn't had my ears open to hear it. Um, mm. And and I became an uncle four months ago. <laughs> um, mm. So I've seen that kind of. I had and, also, and I had those kind of emotions of wishing that my mum was around to see it. Um, mm. And so did my yeah. sister as well. You know. Um, mm. So it's it's really bizarre how. Yeah. Those kind of. Those things are kind of all fit together, and obviously, I've written the book. Um, and in the book, is a story of you know my, losing my mum. I know that you've read the book, and um, and it's just so true. Like you know, um, one of the big themes that, that I talk about is 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 how things can be so black, and we think that things that it's just there's nothing redeemable about what's happened. Um, and grief is a great example of that and mm-hmm. and yet somehow you know 17 years after my mum passed away I wouldn't change the person that I've become as a result of that or what happened mm-hmm. there were things that happened because because that because that happened and like I wouldn't have met my best friend and I wouldn't be in mm-hmm. the church that I'm in now and I wouldn't my dad wouldn't be in the church that he's in now and mm-hmm. you know we, and so many good things wouldn't have happened and even though, like, and I, I, I don't know if this, this resonates with you, but I wouldn't, I, 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 I would, I would take her back to what, like yesterday, but I wouldn't change what's happened to me as a result right. of it. You know what I right. mean? Does that, does right. that sound familiar? Or yes, definitely. No, I've talked, told people that several times that I don't know because I think about the person that I was before all of that happened. And I mean, granted, I was only 13, 14, you know, when my dad got sick. And so I was still somewhat young, but I think about just kind of where I was mentally at that point. And I wasn't really concerned about the things of God. I wasn't, I was a pretty selfish kind of self-centered person. I was pretty shallow. I wasn't, you know, very mature in my faith at all. And then at that moment, everything changed and it just changed me as a person. And I tell people all the time that I have no idea where I would be today if I had not gone through that experience. I don't know if I would have ended up on some path 
have just made that would have set me on a path to just make a lot of poor choices that would have put me in a place today that I really, you know, regret and have just so much regret. And I think because I think because God got a hold of my heart at such an early age because of what I went through with my dad. I think that it just set me on a totally different path in life. And it's a path that I'm really grateful for because um, I just don't know where I would have ended up had I not had God not gotten my attention the way that he did when I was at that young, you know, 14, 15 years old at that really pivotal, you know, that really uh, moldable age where you kind of go one way or the other. And, and that's a really important age where you're making a lot of decisions about who you are and what kind of people you're going to hang out with and mm. what kind of friends you're going to have. And, you know, it really starts to shape you as a person. And I think because, because God got my attention at that age, it just completely changed the course of my life from that point forward. So it, I'm, I totally understand what you're saying. It, I would give anything to have my dad back and to be able to, to have him a part of my life again. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to change what's happened to me as a result of losing him. So, yeah. Yeah. There's this, I mean, there's this great song, um, which Johnny, Johnny Cash, his last song that he recorded was, um, well, actually it was a cover, but when you listen to it, it's kind of like it was written for him. Um, the song's called hurt. And there's this line, I think it's the last line of the song, actually. Um, it says, um, if I could start again, um, thousand miles away or something, I would keep myself. You know, I would, I would find a way. I would find a way. I think it's, and that's quite powerful. You know, it's like all the choices that he made, all the regrets that he has. He would still, if he could do it all over again, he would try and keep who he, who he, who he, who he is, who he, who he became. In the end, mm-hmm. and that kind of resonates. I think when you're talking about experiences like this, is that if you could go back, you want to keep who you are now, um, right? But you want—I mean, you want to. Yeah, we want our. We want. We want. Our, you want your father back. I want my mum back. But I want to keep who I've become, as well. Right. Um, right. Which is kind of a weird paradox, and I think. I think only people who've been through that kind of that this kind that kind of thing can understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've all been through different kinds of grief and hurt and and things. But I think when you've been through that and then you've come out the other side and it's a few years later and you've seen how it's changed you, I think mm-hmm. that's when you can start to appreciate it. And yeah, um, I think that it, it. I think something else I've found just really recently in my life is it's made me so much more grateful for like just the relationship with my husband and my daughter. It's just, it's made me just savor every moment with them so much more because I learned from an early age how quickly things can change. And you never know when someone's going to be diagnosed with cancer or when a car accident is going to happen or when something terrible is going to happen. And you just, there's no guarantees. You don't know how long you have with your loved ones. You just, we don't know. And so I think because I went through something like that so young, it just gave me that perspective that I think a lot of people my age don't have that perspective because they have all their grandparents and their parents and, you know, they just, they've never really lost a loved one that close. 
And so they've never really thought about, you know, just how fragile life can be sometimes. And so I think because of going through that, it's just made me really protect my time with my husband and my little girl and not, you know, we try not to busy our lives so much that we're just running around crazy and we're so busy and our schedules just, we try to really be intentional about just having time to rest and just be together and enjoy each other's company and just so that life just doesn't pass us by so fast because it, it already goes fast and, you know, and you just don't know how long you have together. And, um, so that's something that I'm really grateful for because I feel like I'm just enjoy life and live every moment to the fullest, as opposed to just taking it for granted and not appreciating what's right in front of me. So I don't know that I could have learned that any other way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how does it, how has it impacted your relationship with God? Because it, because I know for me, it kind of, when I went through that, it kind of shifted everything. I, the God that I, I'd grown up in church, you know, from birth pretty much and had this kind of faith, kind of uh, traditional Christian faith and, and then this happened and it kind of like suddenly the God that I was following wasn't enough for me anymore. It wasn't, um, he wasn't big enough for what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so I started having questions, mm-hmm. starting doubt, started exploring doubt and started asking questions I dared, dared not ask before. And, um, and I read a couple of books which kind of just blew my mind open and it's like, ah, oh, God can be like this. I'm not the only one who thinks that God is like this, that, uh, and it's okay to ask God questions, and it's okay to doubt, and it's okay to have mystery and and stuff that's unknown mm-hmm. is God, and um, and that God isn't all in a box. And and so actually, again, it kind of made my it made my faith deeper. It made my mm-hmm. understanding of God deeper, and I've kept and I've kept going deeper since. I haven't kind of stopped um, because I don't want to stop. I don't want to get to a, a view of God that's limited by anything. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what is it, what impact did it have on, on your kind of faith journey? Yeah, it's interesting because it definitely, so similar to you, it definitely, um, you know, strengthened just my trust in God. And just, I learned what it's like to depend on him and to know what that actually feels like in everyday life to just trust him and walk with him and depend on him. But I think something else that that's kind of happened. And I was, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. She just lost her mom a couple of years ago and she's just, she's about 27 years old and just trying to process it all. And we were, we were talking and, um, and we were talking about how it's, it kind of, not that it has it makes you cynical, but it kind of does because I think there's a lot of Christians that think, um, they kind of have this view of God that, well, God can do anything and God's all powerful. And, and there's a lot of churches that, you know, just believe that, you know, just pray for healing and it'll happen. You just have to have faith big enough and God will do it. And it's like, well, no, he doesn't always do it. You know, I mean, he can do it, but sometimes he chooses not to. And when you've walked through that and you've been the person begging God to do something and begging God for that healing, and then he doesn't answer that prayer, it kind of changes your your perspective a little bit because you're not as quick to just sort of have this kind of easy faith that it seems that some people who haven't walked through that seem to have where it's like, Oh, we'll just believe and God will do it. And it, 
and and you just have a, a different perspective because you think, well, it's not enough to just believe because we did believe and that didn't work, <laughs> you know? And so I think it kind of makes you ask different questions and it, it sort of makes you um, almost dig deeper into trying to understand, you know, who is this God that is the God of the Bible, the cre- creator God, the God that I've been grown up hearing about and learning about and, you know, my entire life, like, I really want to know his character and who he really is. I don't want to have the wrong view of God. I don't want to think that he's just some genie in a bottle that you can just, you know, make a request. And as long as you have enough faith, then it's going to happen because I know that that's not true. And so, um, it's been a really interesting journey for me of, I feel like just understanding God better. And I think what I've learned through that is that number one, his, his purposes are always bigger than ours. And they're always bigger than what we can fully understand at the time. Mm. And so it's trusting that when he says, when he says no to something that you pray for, it's not because he's not able to do it. It's because he has a greater purpose for what he's trying to accomplish in you and through you and in your story than what you see at the moment. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that we get so short-sighted and and just so focused on our little piece of the story, kind of going back to the mosaic of grace analogy of we're so focused on our little piece, like our whole life is just one piece of this mosaic that he's telling with all of, you know, with all of humanity, just our stories Mm. are all part of this big story that he's telling. And we get so focused on our little story that we lose sight of this bigger story. And he's always thinking about the bigger story. He's always thinking about how he can make his glory known to more and more people. And if, you know, whatever he has to do to make that happen, that's what he's going to do. And so sometimes that means allowing, you know, allowing tragedies to happen to point people to him. But even that it's, it's such a complex thing because, you know, I don't even necessarily know if I believe that, I don't think that God wants tragedies to happen. I don't think that's something that he Mm. desires, but we know that he allows it to happen because he doesn't prevent it from happening. So it's, you know, it just kind of sets you on this, you know, you start asking all these questions and whenever I start thinking about it, I just start going in circles of, you know, but I think I just always come back to, I'll never fully understand the whole plan right now, but I know that he uses everything to tell his story and to make his glory known to more and more people. And sometimes that just is not the most pleasant thing for us, for us to go through, but it's just part of, you know, living in a world. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. um, Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I remember um, getting a picture of um, Jesus kneeling at my mum's tomb next to me um and mm. clearly getting the sense that it's like i didn't this was not my plan this was not what i intended i didn't want this to happen um mm-hmm. i grieved as much as you did um um and that was the same time i got that word about nothing you know that it you know that nothing and that it won't be that it won't be for nothing you know mm-hmm. um and um I'm getting emotional about talking about it, but but yeah, and so I think there's a whole kind of uh, theology there of kind of like you know 
God doesn't doesn't answer every prayer. He doesn't solve every problem. Um, and you know, and yeah, it is kind of frustrating when you hear Christians talking about how, oh, God can do anything, and God can, you know, God can heal, God can raise this person from the dead, God can heal this person's incurable disease, and all this kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, but He doesn't always do that, does He? You <laughs> know, mm-hmm. like be real for a minute. He doesn't, and it's not just a matter of how how much you believe He can do it. It's a matter. Of, it's not. It's not dependent on that. You know. Some people, when they pray for healing, it's kind of, they make it sound like if somebody doesn't get healed, it's because you've got, like, some kind of unresolved sin, which is, right. um, I think, is ridiculous, because, because like, who hasn't got unresolved sin? Um, <laughs> and also, but also kind of that you don't believe it enough, you know, and if you believed it enough, then God would do it, which is kind of like a transactional view of God, which I don't, I don't agree with. And mm-hmm. I don't think God works like that anyway. Um it's a mystery, I think. You know, it's basically it's a mystery. We don't know why God doesn't do some things and why He does do some things. You know, it's. I think, yeah, like what you're saying. What I've learned is that whatever happens, it's not. It will not go to waste. Um, that nothing and nobody is beyond redemption. That mm-hmm. um, when you're um, when you're stuck right in the middle of it. As you know, like it, everything's black and you don't think there's any hope and you can't go to somebody in that moment and say, oh, don't worry, God will redeem this or there is hope. Right. You can't. I mean, like, like if somebody said that to me on the day my mum died, I wouldn't have responded in a very positive way, I'm pretty sure. Um, but right. now, looking back, I can see that, that, you know, that, that that's what happened, you know, that God did, God, God did do that. God could redeem it. Um, God, could, God could use it for good. Um, and... So it's a difficult thing, um, and yeah. I think it's interesting too that um, I think we forget how much God loves us, and what I mean by that is, I think suffering proves, like the fact that God does not answer prayers, actually proves how much He loves us because He wants us to be in a relationship with Him, and He wants us to walk closely with Him, and He wants us to be so close with Him that he's everything to us. And I honestly think the only way that we can get to a place of that level of closeness is if we go through suffering. Cause I think as long as life is great and everything's fine, we don't really feel as much of a need for God because everything's fine. And we haven't really had that heart wrenching moment of just feeling utterly hopeless, but it's when we are in that place of hopelessness that we truly reach out to God the most. And I think that he knows that. And he knows that the only way sometimes for us to be as close as we can with him is to experience suffering and to experience pain. And, and so it's, as crazy as it sounds, it's almost like that. I had, there was somebody years ago that told me, um, you should feel honored and loved when God allows you to go through a dark trial because it means that he's like, he cares so much about you that he wants, he wants you that much that he, he's going to allow you to go through something that is so hard for the purpose of bringing you closer to him because that's how much he loves you. And it's, you know, it's crazy to say that. And it's, it's kind of a crazy thought, but it's, you know, I believe that it's true. And I I think that's why, you know, he, I think his number one purpose is making us more like him and drawing us close to himself. And I think sometimes the only way he can do that is 
for us to go through pain in order to realize how much we need him in order to get through it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, um, yeah, obviously we live in a world which is not perfect and will never be perfect. And then living in an imperfect world means you're going to suffer. That's just, we're all going to suffer. You know, there's... Um, I think there's probably some Christians out there who think that if you become a Christian, then you won't suffer. You know, that somehow your life will suddenly be all happy and, you know, let's celebrate all the time and sing songs to Jesus and, you know, everyone will get saved and my life will suddenly be all sorted if I become a Christian. Um, it doesn't work like that. Um, when you become a Christian, I mean, I, I don't remember what it's like not to be a Christian, so I don't really know, but... but in what I, from what I can, from what I can gather, and from what I've reflected on, I don't think suddenly everything just changes when you become a Christian. You know, obviously how you see the world changes, your view of the world changes, uh, your priorities change, all that kind of thing. But our life experiences don't suddenly become different. I don't think you know we don't suddenly not suffer. You know, we're not going to suddenly, it's not going to change. Um, what happens to us, in a sense, you know, um, my mum would have died whether I was a Christian or not, you know, and I would have responded in a similar way whether I was a Christian or not, um, you know, because, because that's the world we live in, you know, we, we, we'll still go through those experiences, um, it's not going to suddenly make our pain go away, it's not going to suddenly um, numb us from the realities of the world that we live in, you know, um, but and Christianity for me is the way of Jesus is about how you see the world and about um, how you experience things it's yeah like, so like going through um, losing a parent with with God means that I have someone who will sit with me it means I have community that will support me it means that I have it means that you know I have someone to talk to about it you know um <laughs> you know and, it, and it's just it, and it adds perspective um it's it's not you know christianity is not like a medicine which cures all all, all your problems um right and sometimes just people often sell it as as that and it you know and it isn't yeah yeah i had a our pastor um it was really amazing he made this this point in one of his messages recently i'd never thought about it this way but kind of what you were just saying about how, you know, when people think that Christianity is, is about a good God only allowing good things to happen. If you look at the story of Christianity, the Christianity started with a horrible thing happening in that Jesus was brutally murdered. But, you know, it's like God used a horrible event to bring about Christianity, to bring his son into the world and to accomplish the gospel in the world. It's like it was centered around this horrible, horrible, tragic event. Um, and I think that that just points us, you know, points us to the fact that, you know, just because God is good and loving, it doesn't mean that horrible things are not going to happen. It's in spite of horrible things happening that we discover that God is good and loving. And I think it's because those horrible things happen that we are able to realize that he's good and that he's loving. Yeah, and I see it in society as well, like in culture. It's kind of there's like this collective grief going on at the moment, and so many people are hurting and afraid and and um, broken and grieving. And you know, 
probably with good reason. But it's difficult for me to kind of speak into that because I, because I know from what from my own journey that that even though things are totally bl- seem totally black for many people right now with good reason, that nothing is nothing is beyond rede- redemption. That that you know that, right. that, that God is actually bigger than all of this and can actually use this you know, in some way. And it looks crazy, sounds crazy and horrible to say that to some people. And I'd never, like, I'd never say that to people, like, and never um, try and force that on people or anything. Um, um, But what we have to do, what I've learned is that you need to stand with people in their grief and you need to love them and and be with them and pray for them and support them and let them know they're not alone. And, um, um, And there's a time for talking about what happens next, you know, um, and, um, but there is actually hope, you know, that, um, that God is bigger than any circumstances that we go through, whether it's individually or collectively. Right. I think also it, um, I think going through suffering in difficult times, I think it's just, it fuels the hunger for heaven. I think it's just something that is always there to remind us that, there is, there is, it's coming, you know, that God is, it gives us this hunger for a world where there is no death and there is no suffering. I love that C.S. Lewis quote where it says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I've just always loved that quote because I think when we go through suffering and hard times, that's the first thing, the first emotion we feel is just this is not how it should be. This is not, this is not what should be happening. I think everything in us knows that death should not be a part of life. And I think that that is because one day that death won't be a part of life. You know, when, when Jesus comes back and makes all things new, we'll live forever because we're not supposed to die, you know, but we live in a fallen world because of sin. And so in, in this life there is death, but, but because of the hope of the gospel, we were made for a world where there is no pain and no death and no sorrow and no tears. And I think going through suffering is just a, such a huge reminder and, a, and it puts in, in us such a longing for that, for that world. Mm, that's, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has so much wisdom on, on suffering and, mm-hmm. um, and on, you know, and that's a great quote. That's a really, really great quote. Um, just a, one kind of final question, you know, um, when you, like, when you hear the word grace, what does the word grace mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you kind of define it? Yeah, to me, grace is, um, it just, I just define it as this undeserved gift, just, re- um, Receiving something that you don't deserve to me, just when I think about the grace of God, just, you know, just his love and his forgiveness, what he did for me on the cross and forgiving my sin. And, um, you know, that was something I, I've done nothing to deserve and I, I could never do enough to earn it. Um, and so to me, that's what that word, you know, means. It's just this, this undeserved Mm. gift that's just freely given, um, by a loving and kind and selfless person. Mm, I agree. 
I love that. Yeah. It's just this beautiful thing when we think about it. It's like this this promise, you know, that nothing's beyond redemption, that um, that mm. we're enough as we are, that we don't have to be... It's not about what we believe or 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 how righteous we are or what we do or what we achieve or what relationships we have or um, that our value, our security doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from the fact that we are created by God in his image and that we're, we're enough as we are. And, um, and that, yeah, and it's just this amazing gift to us that yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, I know you've, you've screwed up. I know how much you've sinned. I know how imperfect you are, but you're enough and you're loved and you're accepted mm-hmm. as you are. And, um, it's a difficult thing to accept, actually, sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to receive mm-hmm. grace, you know. And I, I know what grace, I, I kind of reflected a lot on grace, and, you know, obviously written a book, and I still struggle with, you know, receiving that. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it has to be a daily choice. I mean, do you do you struggle with that as well? I think so. I, I think it's easier to accept something that you feel like you've earned, for or that mm. you've worked hard to earn. I think it's so much easier to accept something like that because you think, well, I did my part. You know, I I did what was expected of me. I earned this. And so here's, you know, here's the reward for all of that hard work. But I think it's really hard to accept something that you just feel like you could never repay and you could never do anything to earn because there's just, I think there's something in us that, you know, that sometimes you know, it's like we, we want things to be black and white where, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. And it's like sometimes we want a world where everything is just fair and black and white and you get what you, you know, you reap what you sow and this and that. But I think deep down, we don't really want a world like that because a world like that is a very dark, you know, difficult world. But I think, you know, a world where grace exists is a world where there's just love and unconditional love. And we, we we get you know we get things we don't deserve and that's that's what makes life beautiful and um and so yeah I, I do think it's hard to wrap our minds around it because you know in our human nature we just think everything needs to be fair and black and white and the gospel is not fair or black and white <laughs> you know it's completely unprejudiced and you know just people who don't deserve love or forgiven and loved. And, you know, it's, it's just totally contrary to, I think what human nature is, uh, which is what makes it so beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for, um, joining me today. It's been really good talking about all this. So yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Um, no, no problem. Um, and you can get, you can connect with, um, Shelley on her website. What's your What's your website? Uh, how, can people, how can people connect with you? Yeah, it's just um, ShellyEJohnson.com is my website, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, uh, the same. Just Shelley E Johnson. Um, I'm on there as well, and you can follow our adventures with our little baby girl and just ministry and life and all kinds of stuff going on. So awesome. Yeah, I would love to. Would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, and the video, there's a new video for your song, Mosaic of Grace, which is um, on YouTube, and I'll put a link in the show notes for the, the podcast. Um, 
And yeah, and you can also find Shelley's, uh, the, the lyrics to Shelley's um, song, Mosaic of Grace, uh, um, I mean, my book, uh, which is also called Mosaic of Grace. Um, <coughs> that's coming out on the February the 13th, and you can get that on Amazon as well. Um, and I really would recommend Shelley's music. Shelley's music is amazing and um, so inspiring. Um, yeah, when I heard the song, um, it just, uh, I was. I got quite emotional listening to that song. It was um, it's a beautiful song about grace. So, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, thanks, Shelley. Okay, um, that's it, everyone, and um, I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>